What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Two Guys Watching Football podcast. My name is Cole Jackson, and I am joined today by Dan Reese. Uh, you'll notice it's not Michael Crawford. Uh, Mike is uh, simultaneously doing a film episode with Denard Melton, uh, and that's the beauty about two guys watching football. doesn't really matter which two guys it is. So uh, uh, we got Dan joining us. Uh, he's DP Reese 8 on Twitter. Dan, how's it going, buddy? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. Love uh, that you guys are starting the show and uh, real excited for uh, for all the stuff you guys are going to put out. So, Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. And, uh, you know, I think you and I, we've gotten to know each other quite a bit over the last year. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the goals of this channel is uh, we, we want to provide opportunities to merge film and analytics. And uh, I know that you kind of come from that analytical perspective, and I, I go to you all the time for that kind of stuff because it's a world that I don't understand. So could you tell uh, some of our listeners, you know, what, what's your background? What got you into this uh, this this kind of interest in, in the analytical side of Ravens football? Sure, absolutely. So I've been a Ravens fan for a while. Uh, went to college in Baltimore and became a fan there. Um know my profession I'm an, I'm an actuary so i deal with numbers all the time and so i'm very heavy you know into numbers on a professional basis and just in in general um so when i look at football that's kind of the perspective i have um you know i've, I've gotten into the data analytics more and more over the last year or two uh, especially as data has become available um been working on my you know our skills with uh you know, NFL Faster and NFL Scraper really, uh, really showing all of the available data and just kind of so much information out there that you can dive into. So all that available data is kind of led me to dive into it more and more over the last year or two. And um, just, you know, really excited uh, to kind of interact on Twitter with all the film guys like you guys. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to get all the different perspectives. So really looking forward to uh, learning a lot from you guys with with the film and uh, hopefully can share some analytics knowledge too yeah that and that's what we want to do right like it's it's we were just talking uh, off stream but it's become this weird dichotomy where you know it's it's film versus analytics and it's you know I, i've done a lot of work with uh with with king moose at yoshi 2052 on twitter um and what I've learned from him is it's just, it's all about the best of both worlds, bringing in different perspectives and merging that into telling a story. And, uh, you know, it's something where I need to learn to kind of open my mind and have those discussions, uh, trying to understand the analytical side. So that's why I appreciate uh, you coming from that, uh, from that perspective so much. And, you know, we're able to build off one another and put things together and it just creates a better understanding of what we're watching every Sunday. I should say what we're obsessing over all week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so without further ado, let's get into tonight's topic. So, you know, Ravens flock is going crazy uh, about the Julio Jones trade topic. It comes up about every two weeks. Uh, so we we, we kind of want to move on. I don't think anyone's going to really disagree. Adding Julio Jones to the Baltimore Ravens roster makes them a better team. I think we can all agree there. But the question is, how do we conceptualize that? What is the value trade-off and what are some ways to look at it? So what we're going to do is look at it from two angles. So first we're going to start, what's the trade compensation and what would a trade actually look like? And then we're going to jump into the salary cap implications. And that's really where I'll be looking to you. Salary cap scares the crap out of me. Um, you can't watch film on the salary cap. Uh, I do my best, but you know that's where I got to rely on you. So are you ready to jump into it, Dan? Sounds good. Let's do it. 
Awesome. So we'll start off with the trade scenarios. And so obviously anytime we're dealing with trade scenarios, it's, you know, we're just putting out ideas and seeing what different values can bring us to. So one of the great ways to uh, to kind of conceptualize value um, is through the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart with, with draft picks. And I know there's been some interesting work that you've done in terms of taking a player's value and trying to project that to a draft pick to kind of compare and contrast to the draft value chart, um, which is awesome work. So I, I we, we kind of just put together a few few trade concepts here and we'll uh, – We'll, we'll kind of just walk through them. So I'll start off, read the first one. So the first one's pretty similar or simple. It's, it's, you know, it's a 2022 first round pick for Julio Jones. And I think that's kind of what the Falcons are going to be looking for as a starting point. Doesn't mean that's what they're going to get or if they're, you know, at a hard stop there. Uh, but, you know, that's what I think they're looking at. So what are we looking at with a, with a JJ value chart there? Yeah, you know, it kind of depends where you, you know, where you sit on the first round. But, uh, you know, the Ravens were, you know, with the 27th pick, it's around 680 points. Um, you know, so the the range of a, a first round can be huge. So that's the big thing, right? So saying a blanket first round pick is, is it's kind of a hard statement. But, you know, a late first round pick is it's probably what the, you know, at least what the, the Falcons are looking for. I don't. I don't think they're going to get it, but I, like you said, I think that's going to be their opening offer. Yeah, that this reminds me a lot of the Orlando Brown Jr. talk. It was, it was. I, I remember I frequently said like, I'm okay with trading him. I just want the value for him, and it's more about how you value him. And it's, it's kind of a similar discussion because I think we were all in that mid to late first round draft pick value, and we saw when you factor in all of the the the, the picks that went the other way, he came out at about a, a mid second round pick, right? If I have that right. Yeah, and I think so, right, yep. and so if we look at scenario two, I think we're looking more at that. So it would be the Ravens giving up a 22, 22 second and a twenty twenty two fourth round pick, and then receiving Julio Jones. And what do, what does that give us for a JJ value? Yeah, so if you look at those uh, picks based off of you know a similar range, um, you know being the twenty seventh or so uh, team in each round, that'd be three hundred and ten points for the second round and uh, 40 points for the fourth round. So a total of 350 points, which is uh, the equivalent of the 55th pick. So that's, um, you know, about uh, middle to late uh, second round. So, um, you know, that's that'd be a, a more reasonable counter, I think, from, from the Ravens' perspective. Uh, a late second is, is kind of, uh, you know, with a little bit added on with the fourth, I think is is a reasonable counter from the Ravens' perspective. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is where we could also see similar to the Brown Jr. trade with some pick swaps and stuff for them to kind of, you know, may not be exactly this, but it's. I think that's what they were looking at was really finding out, okay, what's what's that pick value that you end up after all the picks are exchanged? So, and then we'll take a look at one more. And this was one that I put out on Twitter the other day, um, or I think it was this morning, actually. It was just to kind of, you know, what does it look like if we include a player? So I included Devin DuVernay uh, because I think between him and Miles Boykin, who I think would be the most likely two roster wide receivers to be traded, um, I think DuVernay carries a little bit more value than Boykin would just because of not really performance because I think Boykin did perform quite well, but uh, when you factor in rookie contract years, I think it's completely relevant. So we, we, we throw them Duvernay and a 2022 third round pick. And I know this is where it can be tough to kind of determine what 
the JJ value is of Duvernay to factor into those picks. But, you know, what did you come up with on this one? Right. So the third round would be something around 136 points. So, you know, if you're equating that to the second scenario, which was a total of 340 points, that would mean that Duvernay would have to be worth around 214 points, which is like the 75th pick. So 75th would be mid third, maybe early third. Um, So, you know, he was a third round pick. Uh, You know, it's one year in. So, you know, maybe, and I think he's played well. So, you know, I think, especially for his draft position. So I think, you know, holding his draft position worth um, is reasonable. So, you know, I, I don't think that's out of the range if they are interested in him as the as a player. And, and that's the key point. And when I put that out, uh, a good friend of the show, Spencer Schultz at Ravens for Dummies, that's kind of what he hit me back with. And it's not necessarily about Duvernay, but when you're looking at trading for a roster player, obviously Duvernay would have to have value to the Falcons. I personally think he would he would fit their system quite well, but you know, that's just my opinion. They they they're gonna want to bring in their own guys and he might not be the right fit. So, you know, let's let's look at this from a realism perspective. Uh before we jump into preferences and whatnot. So, you know, Dan, in your opinion, you know, and I know you've done a ton of, of research on trades, like are, are any of these three scenarios, you know, realistic or any more realistic than the others? Like, wh- what do you think about this? Uh, well, I think scenario one's gone. I think uh, Atlanta has lost all uh, leverage. Um, you know, Julio's come out. He said he wants to be traded. Atlanta is in a terrible cap situation. Terrible. Like they have, they have no moves left. So, um, you know, they have to get something done with, with Julio basically uh, in order to, um, in order to have cap working for this year. Um, And then, you know, it's after the draft too. So everyone's already kind of got their roster filled. So teams are less interested, you know, he's a great player, but you know, you're going to have to squeeze him in now, you know, like the Ravens have a pretty full wide wide receiver room. So it's going to be very difficult, uh, you know, pre pre-draft, they would have been more interested because they could have planned accordingly. They wouldn't have used a first maybe, or at least not a first and a third. So, um, you know, so I don't think that one's reasonable anymore. Uh, I, I think Scenario three is more of a stretch, uh, unless they really like Duvernay or really like someone like Boykin. I just, I, I don't see it. Um, I think that's too little. I think there are going to be enough teams interested in Julio that, um, that while they don't have any leverage, they still have will have a lot of buyers. So I, I don't think a third will be enough. So, but I do think scenario two is very reasonable. I think. Um, you know, the Ravens have two thirds and I don't know, three fourths, something like that. And so they have a lot of picks in uh, in 2022. So, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to, um, you know, to use some of those day two picks and, and, and see what they can pull off. So I completely agree there. And that's where I, you know, those picks are going to be important, especially as we get into the era of paying Lamar Jackson, because we're going to have to rely on, you know, 
draft drafted guys on rookie contracts to fill a lot of uh, roster spots just because of, you know, sheer lack of cap space. But, you know, you can also leverage those to make a major roster upgrade. So I, I would agree completely. I think that scenario two is probably the most realistic. I know some people, especially Falcons fans, probably might say it's not enough. And, you know, I, I understand where they're coming from with that perspective, but it just really mirrors the Orlando Brown situation for me. And that's why I like that we kind of landed on a similar JJ value. I know it's a little bit more and that probably makes sense because, you know, we're looking at a, you know, a top five wide receiver when healthy um, versus a guy that has a chance to be a top five, top seven left tackle. But, you know, there was a little less certainty given it was his first year starting there um, in the NFL. So I, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And then, you know, is, is there one one of these options? I'm assuming it's probably two, but is there one that you prefer more than the other or would you prefer three? As just well, like pure day, day reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I would love three because you're going to have to get rid of a player, a wide receiver anyway, you know. So might as well do that. You know, I really like what Duvernay can do based on what I've seen, but we're going to have a roster crunch at the wide receiver position. Um, so if you can kind of get something out of that player, uh, I, I think that would be fantastic. I just, I, I don't know if that's going to happen for them, but I have no clue what they're interested in. So uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I kind of bounced around. I was like, you know, what other guys can we throw? Can we maybe throw Ben Powers in there? Like, you know, who do you want? Who do you want? But right. uh, I completely agree. I think that that, like, right now we're looking with the six wide receiver spot is a battle between Prochet and uh, Boykin. And usually we're used to, you know, a late round pick battling with the UDFA, you know, going back to the Jaleel Scott versus Antoine Wesley battle days. But, you know, now we're looking at a third rounder versus a recent fifth rounder who also has special team value. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it really speaks to how they've upgraded this wide receiver, uh, wide receiver room. So I completely agree. You know, I'd love to use a roster player as some sort of trade value to clear that spot and also uh, limit the amount of draft compensation but I think we nailed it with the the realism discussion it's probably not something the Falcons are going to look to do but you know I, I really see scenario two as a nice middle ground and uh, with the amount of picks that the Ravens have I think it's I feel a lot more comfortable giving up a second round pick when I know you know we have comp picks coming for uh, for Nagakwe and Judon we got that extra fourth in the trade back this year uh, we got third coming for David Cully's hire. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of reinforcements there to justify that. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, so, you know, let's say this happens, trade happens. We, we kind of went over the compensation. Now is where things get tricky. We're going to shift gears and look at the trade implications on the salary cap. Um, like I said, at the start, anyone that follows me on Twitter knows this is not my jam. Uh, numbers hurt my head. So damn, I'm, I'm going to be relying on you to walk us through. Um, so we're going to start, uh, just take a quick look at, you know, what is this contract right now? Um, based off his current extension. So can you just, you know, walk us through here? Uh, you know, I, I know it's pretty straightforward, but just what we're looking at with his current contract. Sure. And this information is from overthecap.com. Uh, you know, anyone looking for cap numbers go out there. They have the best numbers, really, uh, really great, uh, source for all, all things cap related, any questions around that as well. So, uh, any numbers you see around the cap are, are from there. So this chart is, um, you know, it, is Julio Jones's current contract. Um, 
the the left column base salary that's as as it says is base salary so 2021 has got a base salary of just over 15 million the prorated bonus what that is is when you have a signing bonus you prorate it uh, across the length of the the contract so um, the 7.75 million was prorated probably over five years so what was that so 7.75. So a little bit over 38 million. So that was probably paid in, um, you know, was likely paid whenever you signed in the contract, probably in 2019, uh, and was spread across. So th they've got three more years left of recognizing one fifth of that, uh, that signing bonus. Then the guaranteed salary, that's the guaranteed portion of the base salary. So in 2021, all of his base salary is guaranteed. Uh, regardless of what happens. That's why they, they can't cut him because, you know, they'd still owe that salary. Uh, so his cap number is the 15.3 plus 7.7, and that's the 23, uh, 23 million over under the cap number. Uh, so what's going on with them is they want to decrease that cap number. Uh, you can't decrease the base salary based off of, you know, uh, off of cutting him or anything like that. Um, so what they're looking to do is trade him, uh, which would move that 15.3 million to the next team. Um, the reason that they have, and where it gets a little bit uh, confusing and, and, and everything is when you trade someone or cut someone or anything like that, the prorated bonus, it gets accelerated. Um, so when you uh, trade someone, now those three years of 7.75 million all get accelerated to 2021. The only exception for that is if the event happens after uh, June 1st, then the acceleration happens to next year. So this year's prorated bonus would still be 7.7 and next year's prorated bonus would be two years worth of 7.7, .7, so 15 and a half million. So, so they're gonna trade they're looking to trade him, which would decrease the 2021 cap uh, from 23 million down to 7.75 million. The new team would get the 15.3, and the Falcons would still be on the hook for 15.5 million in 2022 on the cap. So basically, they're deferring 15 million. Um, into 2022 by staying by waiting until June 1st. So that's why it's been key. Okay. This is awesome. Cause this is one thing I think a lot of people didn't understand is why is it after June 1st, that makes the most sense. So I think we covered that. And we also kind of covered why cutting them doesn't make sense for them. So, um, you know, those are kind of my key takeaways there. It's, uh, it's really looking at why are we looking at June 1st? Why are they looking to trade specifically? So that's super helpful context right there. And then, uh, you know, let's take a look at the Ravens effective cap space because, uh, you know, can you give us a rundown of what is effective cap space and what does that all mean? Cause this is something that I've kind of just recently learned about. And I think it's really helped me look at cap space more, more in general. Sure. So, you know, during the off season, you can take a look at the cap space at any given point. Um, and, and, you know, that'll kind of give you an idea of where things stand now. But at, at any point there are, you know, during the off season, there are events that you know will happen and costs that you know will happen 
between now and the beginning of the year. So you can build those into uh, your your cap model and say, yeah, you know. So for example, we, we're looking at here. Uh, th this is kind of where things stand now. So uh, the cap remaining right now is about 8.5 million. That's reflecting um, what's called the rule of 51. So even though there are 89 players, you only count the top 51 salaries. Uh, this also reflects all of the rookies, even though some of them haven't signed yet. Um, so some numbers you may see are a little different. Some of like over the cap doesn't reflect all the numbers. So, or all the rookies until they're actually signed. But anyway, uh, the 8.5 million, uh, reflects kind of all the contracts that are, are done. Um, but then we know that the actual roster is 53 players. So at some point between now and the start of the season, they change the rules from only having to reflect the top 51 to having to reflect the top 53. So that's two more players worth of cap you are going to have to reflect. So that's about 1.7 million um, in cap space that we know and can plan is going to go away. Um, additionally, there's things like the practice squad where there's a minimum number of players and a minimum salary for the practice squad. So you can kind of build that in. Uh, Two million is, is a, a kind of a reasonable number that I've seen uh, thrown out there for the practice squad. So both of those things are, are ways you can reduce the, the current cap remaining to get a more reasonable um, actual cap or effective cap. Uh, right now, the, the numbers you'll see for the, the cap and the effective cap are pretty close because, you know, we're getting close to the season. Um, but during the off season, you'll see a lot of things happen. Uh, when you look at 2022, for example, you'll see a lot of things happen where the cap space will show a much larger number than the effective cap because maybe the team only has 40 players on the roster. And you know you're going to have to go from 40 to 53, so that's 13 more players you're going to have to pay at least league minimum. So you can drop your cap by 13 times the league minimum, and you know that'll give you the effective cap. So that's that's a lot of what's going on with the cap and and effective cap space. Um, you know, so that's kind of where Ravens stand right now is, um, is about, about $5 million. Um, you know, I, it's about middle of the pack as far as current cap space. Um, but as we've seen a lot during this off season, there are a lot of switches and things teams can flip in order to get more cap space. The main two that, that go, that go on are, a restructuring or extending. Um, restructuring is basically changing the base salary into a signing bonus. So then you can do the proration. Um, and extending is doing that, but over extending a contract out to five years. So you have a longer time to prorate it out. Um, looking at the Ravens, um, if you look at where they stand, uh, let's see. If you, um, if you, Adjust it so that you reflect all the possible restructures for any players that are um, at least $4 million in salary cap. So any meaningful salaries, um, they drop from being in the middle of the pack to having the 27th most cap space. So they've al already used most of their, you know, most of their plays, most of their wild cards or whatever, you know, um, and, and don't have many moves left. So that, that, that kind of, we're going to see that later on when we look at what happens with Julio, but uh, you know they really 
um, are, are kind of running out of moves to make. So, yeah, and this is perfect because a lot of people see that that eight and a half million, and they're kind of like, if we're talking in the context of a, a Justin Houston signing, it's like, well, we could just give him a one year, eight million dollar contract. We have eight million, and then right. you know. Guys like you, guys like our good friend uh, Brian McFarland at Raven Salary Cap, they kind of say, well, no. And that's kind of where I've seen this effect of salary cap come up. And I think it's just so much better to work off of that because you're factoring in what the team is working off of. And it just gives us a stronger understanding. So um, that that's awesome that we went through that. Um, now we're going to take a look at two scenarios for so trade happened julio jones coming to baltimore everybody wins ravens uh ravens twitter wide receiver crew is going bananas right now um but you know what are two 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 ways we could we could do something with julio's contract so we're gonna take a look at the first one here um so run us down here what, what did we do in scenario one and uh just give, give us a rundown of what the moves were made to to get to this uh get to this spot Sounds good. All right. So scenario one, we didn't do anything with Julio's contract. You can see on the right, he comes across with the $15.3 million base salary. The Ravens are not on the hook for any of the prorated bonus. That all stays with Atlanta. So we've got a cap number for 2021 of 15.3 million. That That's in the light green line, uh, you know, a cost of 15.3 million. The corresponding cap move below rule of 51 is you, you only have to account for the 50 top 51 players so by adding someone high like julio you actually drop someone off so we drop someone that the 51st player is making eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars. so you get to offset that by julio's uh, contract so that's one nice thing uh the next move that we did was we rushed re we restructured all existing contracts for large players so anyone above four million dollars of a cap hit we restructured so we changed the base salary as much as we could um, to a signing bonus and prorated that uh, across the remainder of the contract. That gives uh, $11.8 million um, of, of cap space to, to the Ravens in 2021. Uh, that doesn't actually like save Ravens real money. It just defers that $11.8 million to a later year, depending on how many years left or aren't those contracts. Um, so if we reflect those those three lines, and again, the end of Rule 51 and the practice squad, uh, we've got a little bit over $2 million in cap remaining. Um, you know, that seems to work out. Uh, the one thing to worry about is that uh, we've got $2 million left, and that has to last the whole season. With any injuries, any uh, promotions midseason, um, and inevitably something is going to happen injury-wise. And if you have already fired all your bullets with restructuring every contract, you don't have any but you don't have anything else to do during midseason in order to um, in order to create more room to pay for those uh, new players to replace injuries uh, and things like that. So, you know, it seems like, oh, we've got the two million, we're fine, but that's really not going to be enough for the Ravens to go through the full season. Exactly. And so that 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 is helpful because, you know, I, I was going to ask you a couple questions here, but I think it might be best if we run through scenario two because it's uh, it's a much different approach. So let's let's run to scenario two and walk us through that and then we'll put them both side by side. And take a look. 
Sounds good. So on this end, what we did was we kind of took the opposite approach and we restructured Julio Jones's contract. So you can see on the right, we adjusted his 2021 base salary down to the veteran minimum of just over 1 million. And we prorated the remaining uh, about 14.2 million. So we stayed with the same amount, 15.3 million that he's due in 2021. We just took about 14.3 and turned it into a signing bonus and that gets prorated over the three years remaining um so you know that drops his cap number in 2021 uh, just under six million dollars it increases his cap number in 2022 and 2023 because you've got those prorations hitting um so you're saving this year and 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 costing, you know, delaying that charge until future future years. Uh, so if you look at the cap impact, you've got signed Julio Jones about six million dollars, corresponding cap move getting back eight hundred seventy thousand again, and you can see at the cap remaining, uh, we're actually short about two hundred thousand. So this move gets us close, uh, but not quite there. And there's really not much else you can do to Julio's contract. Um, uh, you know, to, to, to spread more money, you could, uh, add void years, but, uh, you know, that's pro that's not something the Ravens have done in the past and I don't see them doing it. Now. Right. And so I'm going to throw them up side by side. Cause I think this creates an interesting discussion. So, you know, we've kind of looked at how can we do it without touching Julio's contract? And then we looked at it if we only touch Julio's contract. So if we kind of put the two scenarios together to do a little mixing and matching, if we go with scenario two and we do that restructure with Julio, we kick his money down the road and he has those 16 mil cap hits for the next two years. But then what the Ravens, if you correct me if I'm saying this wrong, because that's always what I look to you guys for. <laughs> um, is it fair to say that what we could do is then, um, cause I know we can restructure Ronnie Stanley and clear up about 5 million. So that, that gives you about your, your kind of in season rainy day fund. And then if they did need more or, uh, if they needed more as they went, they could kind of go into those additional restructures as the season goes on. Right. Like, so if we get to a point, we could then restructure a guy like Tavon Young and, and kind of use that money as the effective cap space. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. That's okay. right. Um, yeah. So realistically you know that's probably what they're gonna would do you know they would have to do more than julio like we saw so you'd have to restructure someone and then as you go through the year if you needed more money you could restructure some of those other ones you have to remember as you go through the year you're spending money you're spending their base salary so it's less and less that you're going to be able to um you know move to a signing bonus. So if you're halfway through the year, you've now got half as much money that you can turn into a signing bonus. So, you know, you're still only paying half the amount for a new player, but you know, you, you've got to just think about that in the timing. So you probably don't want to go in with zero. So you want to go in with, you, you may do extra um, adjustments going into the season. And so if we look at this from another perspective and we look at scenario one where they, they, they do all these other restructures and they're comfortable kicking that money down the road, could they, is there, and I'm sure the answer is yes, but I'm kind of curious in your thoughts, is there a way that they could restructure Julio's deal without kicking so much into future years to kind of create that effective cap space? Like if they, they kick some down, is, is there flexibility when they do that restructure? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You can do anything amount. Uh, anything up to uh, the amount shown on the right. 
So you can't move any more than the you know the 14.2 because his base salary has to be at least 1.075 million because he's a veteran. So you can change his base salary to anything above that. Uh, so if you want to say you've got the 15 or out of the 15.3 million, you want to keep his base salary at 5 million. Then you've got 10.3 that you turn into a signing bonus and prorate that. So that drops you down to, you know, 3.4 plus five. So that's 8.4 million. So you've, you know, you save $7 million in deferred costs for Julio instead of the 10 million here. So you can play around with how much you want to defer uh, Julio's money or the other players. And it's just a matter of the risk, uh, which player you want to take a risk um, because Deferring costs is not as big of a deal if the player is there every year, because then you're not changing any of the total amount of money spent. It's just when you paid it. Uh, but if you, you know, if he gets hurt and you cut him, you know, then you've got a big cost in year two or something like that. So you want to be careful where you're putting, where you're deferring things uh, for riskier players. So, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. So in theory, and yes or no question, in theory. Can the Ravens make this happen? Yes, yes. We did uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. But uh, you know, there there are a lot of things. You know, it's a stretch. You know, they will not be able to do other things uh, very easily. You know, Justin Houston would be uh, kind of out of the picture. So that's yeah. something to think about. Um, you know, they would be done making moves. Uh, they would be pushing a lot of money into the future years. So that's going to impact. Uh, contracts negotiations for 2022 with a ton of free agents out there uh on our team as well as other other teams available uh due to one-year contracts in 2021 so you know spending a lot of 2022's money is is not great so uh it's kind of up to the front office whether they think they need it you know that's i think what it really comes down to yeah, and I think that really plays into the idea is is twenty twenty one the the all year in and is this the or sorry the all in year and is this the all in move that they want to make or is that move you know adding an edge player or saving the money that they could spend and you know maybe it comes in a trade like what they did with Yannick even though it came mid season because I know that lowered his cap hit that we took on because it was prorated over the year uh, with the week that we that we traded for him so that's something to consider too and I guess one of the one of the questions that came up on Twitter that intrigued me and I know you've looked into some forecasting and uh, I know you may not have exact numbers but you know if we did the the you know this approach where we're kind of kicking Julio's money down the road and that's now a large cap hit in 2022 and 2023 how much would that impact you know from your opinion and what you've looked at re-signing a guy like like I'm not worried about Lamar Jackson they will be signing Lamar Jackson I, I don't think that this really plays into it but what it plays into for me at least is Mark Andrews like is that going to block their ability to get a Mark Andrews deal done without severely um you know backloading it so that it's kind of you know big cap years in 2024 and beyond yeah so uh if you look at where they stand right now for 2022 uh the projected cap is a little bit over 200 million based on over the cap and the ravens are currently 35 million under based off of you know the um 
the adjusted cap space like we talked about. Um, and that already reflects the 23 million for Lamar because they've already done the, fi the fifth year extension. So even if they do an extension, the number would probably be there or less um, depending on how they, they structure the money. Uh, but say we leave it at 23 million for Lamar, that leaves us at 35 million uh, you know, um, a projected cap space. So um, the 35 million you've got, um, let's see, in scenario one, we've got 11 million gone. You know, scenario two, we've got 16 million gone. And, uh, you know, in scenario one, in addition to the, the 11 million, we've got a portion of that 11.8 million of restructure. Not all of it necessarily, because some of it could have been pushed to the future beyond 2022 um but uh but it is going to be a significant portion of that so you know we probably are looking at something like 25 billion um you know it is gone in 2022 for julio in order to fit him into this year and put him you know 20 to 25 million i would say so that's that's a significant chunk of the cap um you know i think uh, it depends what you think about Andrews, um, where he's going to land, but, you know, 10, 15 million probably, you know, that's quite a bit, uh, maybe lower for the first year. So I think it would make it very challenging. I think uh, there are a ton of free agents that the team has to sign. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, I think it will be challenging, you know, depending how, with, um, you know, how it all fits together. But uh, I, I think... This move really is kind of an all-in move for 2021 because it really puts uh, the team in a bind for 2022 cap-wise. Yeah, and this is basically what I do with my credit card all the time. I just keep kicking money on there, and someone someone pays it eventually. I don't know if it's me or someone else, but uh, <laughs> but but that that's why I kind of see uh, option number um, uh, two as like the probably the most sense because then you're just kind of restructuring and kicking further money down the road you know, quote unquote on the fly. I know they're probably going to be a little bit more strategic than that, but mm -hmm. it's the idea that you're not restructuring everybody and then still having to restructure Julio. But I mean, I guess the key is in order to do get this done and and, and make that, you know, theoretically, yes, it, it's, we have to kick money down the road. And so, um, and, and quite a bit of it. And so it's going to impact future roster building. It's going to impact uh, future, um, you know, free agent acquisitions that they could potentially make, you know, guys like a Kevin Zietler may not be able to be added in the future. And so I guess if we're looking at this from a, you know, should the Ravens do it? I guess the question really is, um, you know, how good does he make them? Does he really put them over the top? Um, you know, they're, we could argue about this for, for days, but you know, I think it's something that, it's what it kind of reminds me of the Orlando Brown Jr. situation where there's smoke, there's fire. And it's really, it just keeps coming up and the Ravens keep getting mentioned. And I, I personally thought it would stop after the draft because, you know, they went and got a first and a fourth rounder and it's, there's still smoke. So it's something that I think they're keeping tabs on. I think they're letting people know that, you know, whether that's just to drive the price up, I don't know, but uh, you know, they're, they're going to stay interested and it's going to be very interesting to see what, uh, see what uh what happens with this one but uh you know we're we're, we're gonna end it there dan any any last words on on this you know what what would be your 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 approach here yeah i think uh you know it just comes down to whether it makes a different makes the difference for the team you know make or break uh i think it it is a huge move um uh, honestly i don't think 
I, I'm surprised that the Ravens have been in this conversation for this long. Maybe, um, you know, seeing them as high in the betting markets as, you know, as where he'll end up is, is really surprising to me. I think there are so many other teams better positioned uh, with need and money uh, than the Ravens that I just, I, I don't see how they would compete, but you know, if they want him, there's, there's a way. So it really uh, comes down to what the front office thinks. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting for sure to see where he ends up and um, you know, how much he has left in his tank and, and how big of a difference he makes. So, yeah, and that's actually something I did want to touch on because you, you, I saw the tweet you had yesterday. I believe it was about uh, Ryan Tannehill's restructure and how the Titans might make sense. So, could maybe just quickly give us a rundown on on that scenario and why the Titans might make the most sense as a as a contender for Julio. Yeah, if I were to bet, I would bet the the Titans. Uh, they just seem to fit with the wide receiver need now to go along with AJ. Uh, cap space if you look at it right now they have under four million so we think wait how are they going to fit it in um but they have a ton of moves to make with restructures they can get over 40 million of cap space just by restructures compare that to the ravens which we saw was like 20 million so you know just restructuring Tannehill alone um you know which doesn't really change them because they're not likely going to move on from Tannehill anytime soon so you know that's a reasonable thing for them to do um, you know, gives them a ton of space and they can easily fit them in. So a, a pretty easy move for them. They still have more moves just in case anything happens. And it really uh, rounds out their offense into being really scary. So <laughs> I would love for it not to happen, but I, I'm afraid that's going to where it's, he's going to end up. Yeah, thank God we have our secondary, or else we might be seeing some logo stomping in, in Baltimore sometime soon. But uh, yeah, that that makes a ton of sense because you know we we look at it from what can the Ravens do, and then you look at other teams that obviously can make these moves that uh, aren't necessarily on the surface surface, just like the Ravens moves aren't. But you know, there's other ways other teams can create that space, and you know they don't have to kick as much money down the road. So I would say. You know, at the end of the day, it's not necessarily who does make the most sense because that's not really how this works. It's it's really going to be who's going to make that investment and who's going to take that, you know, that gamble in the sense of you might, from the Ravens perspective anyway, you might lose someone down the road to pull this off, but at least, you know, you're making that kind of addition. Um, so, you know, we, we want to hear from you guys. If, if When you're watching, use the comment section below. Be sure to like the video if this is the type of content you want to see in the podcast series. Um, you know, I'm going to be kind of testing things out like this. And, and if, you know, that, that like button helps me know, you know, would you like, would you not like. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Cole Jackson FB. Michael Crawford, my partner, at Abukari. And then also you can find Dan on Twitter at DPReese8. Um, you know, l- let us know what you think. And if you want to find your way back, hit that subscribe button. So uh, thanks everyone for joining us today. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Peace out.